Podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Liz on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And boy, do we sound way alive and not dead inside and totally awake and all of that jazz. <laughs> this is a very special edition of the Very Good Television Podcast because we're not talking to you on a Friday. We're talking to you on a Saturday. Yes. Saturday is... I think this is the first time we've ever podcasted on a Saturday. I don't want to make that assertion. I'm sure that we've been... We, we've recorded from TCAs before. Yeah. We've recorded from festivals and stuff before. Like, yeah. There's probably a time when we did it on, like, a Sunday, too. Um, that being said, the idea that Liz is being forced to spend time with me on the weekend now, too. Guys, pray for her. Oh, weekend Ben. He's... <laughs> she keeps hearing me talk about Gypsy. Oh, yeah. We... Gentle listener, this podcast was nearly just Ben explaining the plot of Gypsy, which is still a podcast we may do. We've threatened to do this a couple of times now. Uh, where yeah, it? it's getting to the point where we're promising it so much that we might actually have to deliver. We'll wait. Let's see if we get any Twitter reaction. Yeah, if you guys want to, if you guys want to hear Ben explain the plot of Gypsy season one to me uh, on this podcast, we will do it. We are always very hungry for ideas. If you guys actually in general have ideas for stuff we should talk about, please let us know because... No, I'm not crowdsourcing <laughs> ideas for the podcast. Not, not just general ideas. I'll take, I'll take opinions on what we think might be a fun idea but we're worried about, but I'm not just listening to you people. <laughs> That's insane. That's just crazy. I know some of you. Like... <laughs> Uh, you can send us ideas anytime. Yes. Mrs. Mrs. Ann Travers is allowed to contribute ideas. Yes. Her and her alone. Yes. Um, <laughs> God almighty. We, we've, you guys, it's been, a, it's been a couple of days since we've had, we, it's been a couple of weeks since we've had a day off, so bear with us here. Well, Liz, I'm a changed man now. Why? I'm a completely different human being. Why? You know why. Since, the, since the last time we spoke... And bear with me. This is going oh, to lead that's us right. In. This is going to lead us into our topic. Oh, really? But since the last time we spoke, yeah, I've met Channing Tatum. <gasps> that's right. <laughs> ben, tell the story again. Well, I, I, I sat down in a chair, and he sat down in a chair. Oh. And he called me Ben. This is a good story. And Joe Gordon Levitt was there. That's also good. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah. But we were there to discuss a television show that comes out this week called Comrade Detective, which. Um, I haven't seen enough of to write my full review. That's coming very soon, but I have seen enough of to definitely recommend it. Um, it it's is, a fun idea. It's it's a crazy idea. It's it's a crazy idea, um, and we will delve into that at some point, maybe even in the uh, next thing we're looking forward to section. But Comrade Detective is about communist propaganda, which hmm. relates us back to Russia. Right. And it is also a comedy. Yep. Comedy, Russia, Russia, connect the dots. We got Trump! Donald, James, what's his name? I think it's J. I, J? I, John. No, it's John. John. Why do I fucking know I don't that? know. I'm glad I didn't know this. I think it's it's John. Donald Jonathan Trump. Yep. The the man of of many things. But yep. Liz here is, uh, has got a lot of thoughts rumbling around her head. Yep. We want to discuss them a little bit. We're going to bring them out. We're going to talk them out. There was also recently released, not, not only is there a lot of, you know, obvious political commentary that goes on in TV shows, we already talked about how 
that is both a good thing and a bad thing in which it's like brought up and contextualized in the right and the wrong ways. We did that way back in the day. But now there's actually a lot of shows that are dealing with Trump specifically. They're turning yeah. him into a character. Um, and and it's they're, most of them are very, very funny. So we're going to try to try to talk about, uh, let's say, mostly the bads, I think. but The goods and the bads of this idea. Yeah, this basically stems from the, the fact that um, I kind of woke up the other day and was like, I need to write something about how Trump isn't funny. Like, making fun of Trump isn't funny. But that was connected to Colbert's new yes. Showtime show, right? Yes, uh, Colbert, it was... I basically picked up, <laughs> I frantically wrote up a press release we got about right. um, uh, Stephen Colbert producing a animated President Trump show uh, for Showtime. It's untitled as yet, but probably will have Trump in the title somewhere. It's got a glorious <laughs> character rendition of him, like an animated yeah. sketch in which he is orange, you know, as he, he is. is very orange. His hair is very, you know, atomic blonde, let's say. Right. Uh, and then he's got a red tie on. If I'm remembering correctly, which is just the ultimate color clash. Like nothing about it looks good. No. Um, which makes it both very hard to look at and uh, very appropriate for Donald Trump. Yeah, I mean, really, what this comes down to is an opinion I've had for closing in on two years. Over about two years ago, I tweeted out. Um, we made fun of Schwarzenegger and he got elected and we made fun of Bush and he got elected and that's why I can't make fun of Trump. And that was back in the, before the primary, before the Republican primary started, before, or before the Republican primaries heated up anyway. And it was just like, it was an era where everyone was like, ha ha ha, what a, that Trump, what a crazy character, that sort of thing. And I was just like, no, I've seen this twice already. We make, we mocked Bush, but somehow he got elected, and we mocked Schwarzenegger, but somehow he got elected, and I don't want this to happen again. And guess what? It happened again. Yeah, much, much worse. <laughs> and I, I remember, like, for, for like, a, over the course of last year, over, during the election, I would t- retweet it, and I would retweet this tweet, and no one, and I feel, so I felt personally frustrated, no one was listening to me, um, because I have such a loud, powerful voice, apparently. You do. Uh, we talk about our Twitter accounts. They're they're influential guys. They're, yes. They're they've got the blue chip. I have four digits of followers. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> My digits are lower than Liz's digits, but yeah. She so hence she is influential. I'm more influential than you anyway. Uh, influential period. Yes, but the point. <laughs> this is a weird digression. Uh, point is, is that. Um, I basically have been feeling very frustrated about the fact that, you know, we ha- aren't really, we, we, we haven't really acknowledged the fact that making fun of Trump is part of what has helped create Trump's image, has helped create him, it create the perspective of him being a successful businessman and kind of silly character, but he says what he means. And so, you know, way better than, you know, that lady with her emails. Um and I've been actually, I've written a fair amount about this over the last year or so, um, specifically in regards to uh, things like The Roast of Donald Trump, uh, which is a thing that aired on Comedy Central back in March 2011. This is about a month before officially, as per uh, like this one timeline I found, Trump inserted himself into the birther conversation, which kind of gave him some nice, sassy, racist uh, bona fides that you know, helped him kind of secure his core fan base. By the way, I, I don't think we have any 
really like staunch conservatives who listen to this podcast, but I apologize. We don't know, we don't know but I apologize. I, I, I don't necessarily apologize yeah, to you for having my, my personal views, but this is definitely the more most political we've gotten in a while. Yeah, I think so too. And I think what's interesting about this discussion is, is I mean, it is, it's a political and a personal choice because what these new shows to me are that are, that's interesting about them is, I think they're acknowledging it. I think they are taking him seriously to one degree or another. Like the idea that that Stephen Colbert is is creating an entire show um, about an animated character on Donald Trump. It's acknowledging the idea that okay, yeah, I had my Showtime election night special where it was like, what the fuck just happened? And and most of the uh, entertainment of that show came away from just how caught off guard they were and how stunned he was by what was actually happening. And now they've come full circle and they're saying, okay, this guy is here to stay. He is part of our, our daily discussion. Um, he is the president of the United States, if you want to like, just lay it all out there on the table, as much as it pains me personally to say that. Um, but they're taking him seriously to the regard of, okay, we can actually make a show about him without glorifying him anymore because he is there. Like, he's been put in that position. There's no going back and saying he's not an important factor in our reality anymore. Um, so it's a different way of examining it's, it's a, it. To me, it's, a, it's, it's more innocent, at, at the very least. I think it's perfectly fine, really, um, compared to what happened in the past. Like, compared to what happened that led him to this point, that seems somewhat unforgivable. Like the SNL thing is is a problem. That was that was him hosting SNL. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's, yeah, that's not. Don't no. That's 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 crossing a line. But right. Now that he's there, now that he's in power, it's like okay. I mean, you're we're going to take him seriously. We're going to be. I don't. I don't want to say part of the solution in terms of taking him down or anything like that, but part of the grand tradition of satirizing, uh, you know people of power who deserve to be taken down a peg. I mean, that's something that Saturday Night Live was always good at. They're still very good at. Um, but now that he's part of the discussion, it seems more valid to have comedies about him, to let comedy have a voice in regard to Donald Trump and turn him into a character. I mean, but the problem is, is that he was already a character. I think, like, honestly, the best, the most effective political satire, in my from, from my perspective at this point, is... <laughs> And is is from SNL, but it's their choice to um, have Melissa McCarthy play Sean Spicer in sketches, and their choice to have um, Kate McKinnon play uh, shoot um, uh, Jeff Sessions, mm. uh, and it's very specifically because it pissed off Trump, according to reports, because. Uh, it basically emasculated two people in his staff or his uh, part of his team uh, by having women play them. And that, I mean, apparently, like, I mean, who knows what actually is true anymore, uh, but it, it legitimately affected their standing within the administration. And, you know, it's just leading to crazier and crazier people right now. Uh, but at the same time, like, it got rid of some bad crazy at the same time. I mean, I guess Jeff Sessions, is, Jeff Sessions is still around, but, oh, whatever. Well, he picks good people, Liz. I mean, that's what we need to remember. He picks the best he people. He picks the best people. And actually, that's part of the problem, I think, with Trump is, like, we just immediately went into a little bit of a runner, and because there are so many easy jokes with Trump. Like, it's easy to be like, I have the best people, I have the best exam, I have be best administration, we're doing the best work. Like, 
That's my Trump, apparently. I'm sorry. That wasn't... I don't know if it was very good or not. No, it was yeah, fine by me. I mean, it was a very subtle Trump, I think. Yeah. I think I, I could have taken it further. But point is, like, it's easy to lapse into stuff like that, which is part of why I think he's been so popular as a subject within the comedy community. I agree with the idea that... that I agree with the idea that by, by, by making simple direct references to Trump, Trump's perceived stupidity, let's say. Right. Uh, that that can come across as a way to, to make, it, make what he does easier to digest. Mm-hmm. And that can become a problem, and that you, we need, you need to be fighting against it as hard as, as, hard as possibly. You know, as hard as your beliefs uh, demand you do so, rather than let it become a digestible... Right. Normalize it. Right, rather than normalizing it. Um, but I would say that it's not, I wouldn't say it's impossible for shows to create characters of Trump that would be as effective as what you're talking about in SNL. Mm -hmm. I I don't think that he would, I, I don't think that the goal is merely to create someone that he won't like that would piss him off and that would, uh, distract him from whatever horrible other things he's trying to do, um, but I would say that that I I don't expect a show like a show a show from Stephen Colbert. I don't expect uh, the President Show. Um, I don't expect these kind of things to take it easy. I don't expect them to take the easy route. Occasionally they do, but I feel like at least with the President Show, the little bit of it I've seen, they've invited you to examine it from a perspective that kind of forces this reality upon you more than it does allow you to forget that's what we're living in. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'd say the danger of what happened before was that it allowed you to forget all the bad things he'd done in the past because it was just kind of a funny guy to laugh at. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't think that the best of what they can do with him these days is going to go down that path. If they do go down that path, that is obviously problematic. Um, But it's... It's a tough... It's a tough thing to, to mark, especially when... So much of Twitter these days is dominated by really, really good jokes about some of the stuff that he's done. Mm-hmm. Like even that can prove distracting in and of itself. And that's a way to laugh at Trump as horrible things are happening. But sometimes you need that catharsis to bring you back to center. And sometimes you need to dig in and realize that this is a reality. And, and kind of tr- threading that line is difficult. Right. Um, there's a panel this morning here at TCA's about political comedy, and uh, I was late to it. And Ben, I think you were working on something else. But did did, did yeah, so we probably missed any really pertinent insights. But I think they, the a big part of the discussion was just like they are exhausted. Yeah. Uh, but they but it is you know like but the fact that people work people working in political comedy today are working really, really hard to kind of come up with fresh angles is reassuring to some degree. Oh, no, absolutely. And there was a great point brought up by our colleague Steve Green who asked them about uh, kind of their process in a way, but the, the response, and uh, forgive me, I don't remember who, who said this, but um, the response was that sometimes you have to take the hard route. Like, she made a she made a joke about how somebody was talking about getting their like sucking their own dick, and they're not going to do a joke about that. They're going to do a joke about a nineteen sixty eight film or something like a mm-hmm. black and white movie or whatever the fuck. And it's like they're taking this very seriously. They they know what they are trying to say and what they that what we need to know from their commentary to the point that they're going to 
pass over the easy joke, and they're going to go after something that's got a little more depth to it. And I think choosing that, just like choosing your news these days, is, is absolutely vital for your own personal health and your own personal progress. Like, you need to make sure that what you're watching isn't just a, a steady regurgitation and recycling of, of what what's already been said and what's already come before and what you've already seen and know is ridiculous. Uh, you need to keep finding comedy that's going to draw out new thoughts and new perspectives and I think that's the, the progressive nature of what we can uh, find in, in, in comedy centering on Trump these days. Okay. Right now in the current landscape in your opinion who do you think is doing it best? Oh god best? I can't say who's doing it best. I, I'm Wait, what, what, From what you've seen? Yeah, my my personal self help decree is is avoiding a lot of uh, a lot of the comedy because I <laughs> read too much of the newspapers. We literally have uh, we're we're recording this on our phones, guys, and we are lit- our phones are literally on top of the New York Times because uh, they they have uh, physical paper copies here in this hospitality suite we're in, and it's. Uh, Priebus is ousted amidst stormy days for White House is the headline, which is fun. Um, but we're liter- I'm literally staring at a picture of Donald Trump as we record this. It's it's delightful. I think I think to answer your question as simply as I can, um, John Oliver is always doing it well. Yes. Uh, Samantha Bee is always doing it well, and Samantha Bee is providing an outlet that's distinct to her. Like yeah, uh, it's something that anyone who's slightly feminist, progressive, what have you, is going to find more in than any other show simply because she's the one saying it, and she says it so fucking well. And she under- and she understands how to embody that and bring that kind of uh, opinion in across the board. But I will also throw out uh, a very quick word to Michael Schur on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, at Ken Tremendous. Correct. His, his Twitter feed is, it seems, honestly, if I had to put a percentage on it, 50-50 split between... Uh, very serious discussion points and, and noting, mm-hmm. like, flagging issues. And then just both retweets and original tweets of uh, brutal comedy. Just right. great, funny stuff. So yeah. I'd, I'd enjoy that quite a bit. Yeah, that's a good... That's a, it, Following Ken Tremendous is a really good starting point for, like, finding a lot of other really smart people who are doing some really smart yeah. commentary on this, on what... On our current national... Uh, uh, crisis. <laughs> yeah, that's a word. He also uh, puts out some good baseball tweets, so that's oh, yeah. fine by me. <laughs> it's Cubs. like the per- it's a perfect the perfect blend for Ben. He keeps me updated on my on my on the teams that aren't the Chicago Cubs. Because <laughs> Ben doesn't need any help on the Cubs front. It's true. My uh, mom's got me covered. Hi, mom. Uh, She's not your mom. No, I'm gonna also okay. Fine. Hi, Mrs. Travers. Hi, my own mom. Hi, my Mrs. mom listens. My mom listens. I know that's why it was weird. Yeah, I was. It was a very confusing moment for us all. <laughs> oh, TCA's. What is it? Day five? I don't know. I think it's day five. It's day ten of like twenty-two for me without a day off. So that's all I'm thinking about. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oi. Um, <laughs> Actually, it's more than that. Whatever. Good thing that the world is not falling apart around us outside yeah, the hotel. We're very focused. We're very know? focused. There's no distraction. <laughs> we are, this is a very centrally focused conversation. And we're doing the important things, not anybody else. No. Yeah, like nothing else that matters outside this, this hotel. Right. Uh, 
Oh man, the thing I want—I want to mention something about Samantha B. By the way, which is that I love that you brought her up. Uh, I mean, because Samantha B., Seth Meyers, and John Oliver seem to kind of be the holy trifecta of nailing it on this in this regard right now. Uh, but something I really like about what Samantha B. is doing is the fact that she is not afraid to do the actually. You know, you have your hopes up about this one thing. Well, crush them. This is not actually going to matter. Mm. Um, and. Like, she's good on doing, like, the kind of, like, a quick process piece about, like, you know, if, if like, let's say Trump gets impeached, that's not actually going to solve any problems. Right. Like, that sort of thing. Keeping perspective, yes. Yeah, she has a, there's a lot, it's a very bleak show at times, but it, it also, like, it's a, it's a, it's at times a very sobering wake-up call. Yeah, and it's still, it, it has key moments, uh, key energizing moments. I'd exactly. Say. So. Um... But also, uh, gosh, I'm actually really, I'm, I'm really, a, I'm really excited to see how she covers, um, how, how she covers, uh, as you listened to this last week's uh, healthcare, uh, healthcare vote, because I think the the most fun comment, most fun commentary, most interesting commentary around it has been like people pointing out, hey, stop giving McCain credit for you know killing that vote because. Um, two women were the ones who held out the whole time and yeah. debating, debating the strategy over that is a whole other thing. Like, but that's still like, that's still, that's amusing me. And I've imagined she will have some things to say. Also, uh, John Oliver has been on a break for a few weeks and I think he's coming, is he coming back as, as we listened to this last night? God, I don't know. I think, I think so, but I'm not sure. Yeah. I think he took like a couple weeks, but anyways, like I've been watching a lot of Showtime on Sunday nights, not so much HBO. So <laughs> <laughs> only person who can say that. Also, I was very torn last week because McCain became such a divisive character mm. and I had a couple of, of people I look up to <laughs> on both ends of the spectrum, just one completely tearing him to shreds and the other trying to build up a little bit of dignity. And I'm not going to talk about who they were, but as somebody who consumes too much news and hears too many opinions to sort his own thoughts at times, I will say that it was a challenging week, uh, just on my internal struggles. A lot of stuff going on, guys. Um, but fortunately, there is television. And so you know what? Thank you for bearing with us as we talk through some politics stuff. Like, this is legitimately, like, I, we started this podcast with me basically saying to Ben, like, hey, can I talk out some Trump thoughts? And Ben very kindly obliged. Um, me, me screaming at Liz, no, I want to spoil Gypsy. Someday, Which is more important? Someday you will spoil Gypsy for me and it'll be amazing. I mean, there's only a bit. <laughs> people really want to, people, your Gypsy review still gets good traffic. People still really want to talk about it. It's getting outstanding traffic. I'm humbled by your interest in Gypsy and worried. Worried by how many of you Watch Gypsy. have seen it. Yeah. As opposed to just wanted it spoiled. Oh man, Ben. I had, I was talking to a director and it's I. It's going to get renewed, isn't it? Oh fuck, wait, what? I was talking to a director, um, and he said, and I was asking him just kind of like casually at the end of a conversation, like, hey, so what are you watching? What are you enjoying? And he's like, I love Gypsy. Who are you talking to? Who? Is it somebody that I love? No. Okay. It wasn't Michelle McLaren. It wasn't Michelle McLaren. Okay, great. It was, uh, (laughs) I'll I'll tell you. It's okay. But I was like, but but as soon as he said it, I was like, okay, it's really good that Ben's never reviewing this show because Ben will 
clearly tear the show apart, and I should probably never tell Ben who this person is. Well, now I'm definitely reviewing the show. God, is it a Game of Thrones director? No. I know, I'm sorry. There are, there's some great Game of Thrones directors. Yeah, there's freaking Michelle McLaren. I know. Um, anyways, point is, thank you for bearing with this political discussion. Next time we'll get to Gypsy. Um, but in the meantime, Ben, what was the best thing you watched last week? Oh, great question, Liz. Um, I did not prepare an answer. Sure. So, let me think about this. What did I review this week? Oh, let's go with Room 104. Right. Um. There you go. Room 104 is pretty great in general, but I will say that no matter what you think of the series in its entirety once season one is all the way out there, since the episodes change, the characters change uh, every week, uh, stories change every week, tone, genre, all that changes every week, it's just set in the same hotel room, um, I will say everybody should probably sample the first episode because it is, it's just a great piece of TV. It's like watching a, a short film, you know, like a lot of kind of generic bullshit that people pass on when they talk about episodic TV in general. But this one really is. like I mean, it stands alone. It's so strong. It's got a lot of layers. It's exactly what you'd want um, kind of a, an episode of TV to be if it was going to stand by itself. And I, I don't want to share too much more than that because it is a surprising episode. But uh, Mark Duplass wrote it. Uh, Sarah Dina Smith directed it. She also directs an even crazier third episode. So if you like this one, I do recommend tuning into that one as well. But seriously, try it out. It's on HBO now. Um, it's on HBO now and HBO now, um, but yeah, I, I loved it. Um, who's in this one? This one is I. I never remember the actors in this one. But we'll tell you what, like I, I just kind of like what the is it the Mormon one? Is it the? No, this is the one with a babysitter. <coughs> Interesting. Yeah, the episode title is Ralphie, um, and it's it's just it's a it's a, a babysitter is invited to a hotel to watch a kid. Um, and the kid is cute, and he's got a couple questions, and then... Things go from there. Things happen. So Fascinating. That's the best thing I watched last week, barring something better I'm forgetting, um, which is probably the deuce, but anyway. Liz, what was the best thing you watched last week? Um, I had this experience where... I'm, I'm, this is just, like, the only thing I can really think of at this moment. It's probably not technically the best thing, if you, like, objectively. But uh, last uh, Saturday... Um, I was at, we were at Comic-Con still. Remember how that was a thing, like, last week we were at Comic-Con? This um, time on Saturday. Was it Friday? No, it was Friday. It was Friday, um, that this happened. Uh, but I had, like... Oh, I was drunk. <laughs> it was after my whiskey tasting for the Kingsman oh, yeah. event, so I was a little drunk. Anyway, sorry, Liz. Friday. You weren't there for this. Uh, we, we, we still need to talk about that, by the way. Um, but, uh, Friday night, I... Uh, was in. I was at the the Marvel's Defenders panel, and they just basically decided to show us the first episode. This wasn't the best thing you watched. You were barely enthused. Well, the, no. The reason I was pissed was that um, I had evening plans that were supposed to start at seven, and they started the screening at six ten, and I had like literally had a a minute to text my my friend and be like, "I'm going to be super late uh, for this thing," and then also it just like completely derailed everything I had planned for that evening. So that's why I was pissed. But the actual episode was really interesting. Directed by S.J. Clarkson. Shut your mouth. Directed the first two episodes of Jessica Jones. And she did a really nice job of invoking all the styles of all the other Marvel shows, including Jessica Jones. 
Ben, it was like getting a little taste of Jessica Jones again. Yeah, but just give me Jessica Jones. Why I know we're getting that later. Minutes? We're getting that later, but for but we got we get Jessica Jones mixed up with Mike with uh, Luke Cage, and then those other two people. That was Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones had Luke Cage in it. I know, no, but I'm going. saying like visually, the visual style of Luke Cage is in, is part of this episode. I'm saying. It was interesting. I'm hoping to watch more. They need to send me more because I'm doing some interviews on Monday, and they better get to that. Um, I, I've heard I've heard mixed reviews at best of this episode. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, I mean, I I want to see more, and at this point, like I've watched very little. Oh God! Oh, actually, okay, I'll say this: I really enjoyed binging my way through the first six episodes of Outlander. I will also mention that um, Outlander hooked me in. Outlander is a show where I always struggle to think of it as, like, a really high-quality, great show. Like, even though it is actually a, pre- a really well-made, interesting show. Uh, but it's involved nicely, and I think the first six episodes are really interesting and are going to totally piss off fans because it takes a very long time for things to happen. But there's some good stuff that happens in the meantime, and I like those actors. And so, yeah, Outlander was good, too. Liz, you might have the most patience of any TV viewer I've ever met. It only takes six episodes for a thing to happen. Yeah, yeah I, there's like been a there's been a little bit more critical discussion of late about TV just kind of getting fucking to it, like wasting too much time and stretching things out too long. I don't think Liz ever cares as long as it's good, as long as as long as you enjoy yourself. I think you're fine. I'm trying to think of the last time I got really impatient with something. Um, I think I think probably the the most egregious offender was probably uh, the last time I got really pissed off was the X Files season ten finale. Where uh, it was well, just yeah, obviously <laughs> for many reasons, but it's just like when are Mulder and Scully going to be on screen together? Yeah. Chris Carter. When? Well, yeah, but you, and that's a that's an example of a, one a specific episode. Two, right. the idea of you knew the clock was running out, and and three, that the, the clock wasn't just running out on the episode or the season, but possibly of the X Files in general. So right. It's like there's that's a different beast. That definitely anyway. for sure. Anyways, Ben, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? What was I going to talk about earlier? We were talking about I was referencing something that I was going to bring up. I've you been, you maybe mentioned anthology series, uh, the guest book. No, that's not it. Okay. I don't know, but I've changed my mind because it wasn't this, but it's very important that I get this out there. Guys, Kingdom is ending oh. <laughs> on Wednesday, and despite Liz's laughter, I am deadly serious. Kingdom is a tremendous television show. Um, it's as... more just like I love the fact that you know you will just champion anything, regardless of how many people can watch it, regardless of who cares. Just like you will decide this is a great television show, and I will treat it on the level of any other television show I cover. That's how it should be. That's how people should cover television. I, I, I don't... I don't... <laughs> I can say a lot of things right now that I'm not going to say because right. we are running out of time and I need to spend all of my time convincing you to watch Kingdom. Right. Um, go go with Kingdom. You've heard me talk about this before. Uh, the finale, it's the series finale. Um, Have you watched it? I haven't watched it yet. I've got... You've got the screener. I don't have the screeners. Oh, no. But I'm going to watch it. Um... If you were a fan of Friday Night Lights, I think you would love Kingdom. It's it's a little bit more intense. It's a little bit less heartwarming, but those moments are still all there. The way it connects things is incredibly 
impressive to me. Like I, I love the way the story unfolds. I love the way they build character. I love the performances. I love the reality of it. It still blows my mind that they were able to recreate Venice in like North Hollywood, and not just North Hollywood, but incredibly North Hollywood, which mm-hmm. if you've been there, looks nothing like Venice. Um, there's so many things to admire about this show, including the people who made it, um, that I, I really hope once it's over, that DirecTV kind of lifts the guard, puts it out there on Netflix again, which I'm pretty, I, I can't find definitive proof, but I'm pretty sure this was at one time during its first season available to stream somewhere, and it hasn't been for a really long time. That's another reason people don't know about it. It's only available on Audience Network. Um, I really hope that once it's over, they kind of get it out there, because people will find it, and people will love it. And I will make sure to let you know the second that you can watch it other than Audience Network. But if you do have DirecTV and you somehow haven't checked this out yet, make it an appointment viewing. You will not be disappointed. It's, it's, incre- it's incredible TV. I have, I have seen a, a few, epi- at least two or three episodes, and I, it's good, yeah. And I, I'm underselling it, Classic I know. Classic undersell from Liz. <laughs> yeah. I didn't hate it, is my point. <laughs> Listen, if you've seen Warrior... <laughs> oh, shut up about Warrior, you got I will never shut up about Warrior. The amount of emails we got supporting my uh, adoration for Warrior and the adoration of Warrior oh, in general... Oh, that's right. I owe you a sandwich over that. <laughs> motivated for the rest of my life. You got like, all, like, four. You got, like four. You got four emails. I got like 17 emails. <laughs> I got like 4,500 emails. I've got a whole other email address now for people to communicate with about Warrior. Now then. Goddamn Warrior. Now that I've talked about Friday Lights, Warrior, and Kingdom, I'm going to go. But please tell us what you're looking forward to seeing next. Well, I watched... (laughs) It's tough because I'm trying to choose between two shows I'm set to review that I've seen a, a little bit of that I need to see more of beforehand. Um, but, but I'm looking forward to watching more of them. Uh, one of them is, uh, uh, Manhunt from Discovery Channel, uh, which is one of their first official scripted series. Uh, it has a great cast, um, lots of really interesting people in it. Um, and it tackles the Unabomber. And Sam it, Worthington. Sam, I'm not, I, I'm not saying Sam Worthington is a great actor, you son of a bitch. Chris Noth. Chris Noth is great. Paul Bettany. Who doesn't like Paul Bettany? James uh, Brian Darcy James, um, Keisha Castle Castle Hughes, there Jane Lynch, Rhodey's veteran Keisha Castle Hughes. Now she's she's easily my favorite part of the show. She's great. Yeah, she's in Rhodey's. <laughs> God, of course. Um, anyways, point is Manhunt uh, Manhunt colon Unabomber is really interesting. Duplass, you motherfucker. Yeah, Mark Duplass. Yeah, him on stage for that panel was. Hilarious. Something else. Yeah. Um, and then uh, beyond that, uh, but the other show, and they, they, I need to get the second episode of this because the link was broken, uh, but I really enjoyed the hell out of What Would Diplo Do? <laughs> of course you did. That was never a question. <laughs> there was never a doubt in my mind that you would enjoy watching this, this weird I would James watch... Vanderbeek as a DJ wearing a mustache TV show. He's not wearing a mustache in the show. He doesn't have a mustache? No, he just, he just, he just was like, he, well, he had a mustache on stage yesterday. There it is. But, no, he's actually, I had a really good interview with him. Well, um, this is not surprising to me. James Vanderbeek's great. Yeah. Actually, it was really fun talking. Apparently, he, um, like, he's been getting more, like, 
actual work once and now that he's like really kind of embraced his comedy side. Oh yeah. Just in sure. general, like, you know, it's really improved his uh Q rating or whatever yeah. they call it. Yeah. Don't trust the B, I think broke down quite a few walls. And he, it seems like ever since then he's been doing a lot more of that sort of thing and it's been he's been great. Yeah. And actually Don't Trust the B came about this is what I learned in the interview, which we'll hopefully publish this week, uh, in connection with what would Diplo do uh premiering. Uh, but he got that because of a series of sketches and stuff he did at Funny or Die in 2011. Mm. Um, he like he there was they, they did a thing called literally Vanderweek, where they had new Vander James Vanderbeek content every day for a week. And I, I like back in the day, like I actually covered this when I as part of my old job. And uh, I interviewed, so I, inter- I was talking to a Funny or Die person. They were like, "Yeah, we basically did it because Vanderbeek." Vanderweek rhymed. That was their motivation for doing Vanderweek because of the name. <laughs> I, I love it. Yeah. I mean, you know me. I love puns. I know. They're my favorite thing. I know. It's so good. Um, <laughs> and so you're going to be able to read a lot about what would Diplo do and the Unabomber. I have a question about what would Diplo I know we're, yeah. we're really pressing time here, but Go. that's a Vice Media show. It's, yeah, it's, on, it's airing on Viceland. So it's on Viceland. Yeah. Which is not available through HBO Now. No. You have to go to the website. You have to... You, no, Viceland is like an AMC network. It, not AMC, A&E network right. Uh, property. Right. So yeah, it is not like Vice, the TV show that's produced for HBO. But isn't like... Isn't Thesis and Miro on HBO Now? No, I don't think so. It's not? No, I think yeah. it's just on Viceland. I'm a bad reporter, guys. Sorry. No, you're, uh, you're, you're reporting. You're asking questions. I did want to know where I could watch... James Vanderweek. So, um, anyway. Yeah. It's only it's somewhere on the internet for sure. Somewhere on the internet. Google it. It'll come up. And I promise to include a link to it on IndieWire.com where you can find news, reviews, interviews, features. I doubt anyone on the other IndieWire podcast will talk about James Vanderbeek, Vanderweek, or any other pun associated with uh, the Star of Varsity Blues. But... They are good podcasts. You should listen to them, including the Turn On podcast with Michael Schneider, uh, Ann Thompson and Eric Cohn on Screen Talk, as well as the Filmmaker Toolkit podcast hosted by, I mean... The Incomparable. Uh, there's not really an, even an adjective to describe Chris O'Fault. You just have to meet him and listen to him and experience... The faultiness. The zero fault of Chris <laughs> O'Fault. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, you did it! That should be his new personal brand. I'm leaving. <laughs> you did it. Costanza out. <laughs> you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. You can find Liz on Twitter at Lizlet. That's with an I and an E. Correct. We will be back next week. Shells of our... Per, perhaps we will have gotten some sleep before no, we'll then. we'll still be here. We'll still be here next week. But we'll try to be a little more well-rested. We'll try to take some... We'll try to, try to, try to do some more self-care. We'll see. In the meantime, you guys, keep watching television. Thank you.